What's going on, guys? Welcome back to One Stop Shop. Let's get right into this episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. It is Wednesday. And the Knicks winning streak has come to an end. It has been stopped at nine games, unfortunately. We couldn't get the job done the other night against Phoenix Suns. They were just too much for the Knicks. They lost 118 to 110. And the Knicks were looking good early on in the game. In the first, they had a little lead after the first quarter. And then we basically got outmatched the rest of the game in the second half. Derrick Rose led the way, 22 points. Julius Randle, 18 points, 3 for 6 from 3-point range. Reggie Bullock, 4 for 8 from 3, 17 on the game. R.J. Barrett, 17 points. Emmanuel quickly, 11 points off of the bench. And, yeah, the Knicks just, they didn't have their best stuff against the Suns, unfortunately. Uh, we needed a really big game out of Julius and just 18 points. It's not really what the Knicks needed, but not his fault. The Suns are obviously one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and this basically let the Knicks know how good they really are. And they were able to hang in with a really solid team, so... Mikhail Bridges led the way. For the Suns with 21. Devin Booker, 33 points in 41 minutes. Four rebounds, three assists. Chris Paul, 20 points. And, yeah, this was definitely a really solid time for the Knicks. We're in a really good spot in the playoffs right now. We're in fourth place tied with the Hawks right now, and there's a little bit of separation between the Knicks and the Celtics from four to six. They got a two-game lead right now, and yeah, this would honestly be one of the best teams that the Knicks have had in over a decade. Close to a decade, at least, since we had Carmelo, at least, <laughs> in 2012-2013. But, you know, as someone who has grown up watching the Knicks, and they haven't had the best record most years, like... <laughs> Many games under 500. This is one of the better years that we've had, especially in a really tough time for New York. And the Knicks are helping New York get back to what it used to be before COVID and all bullshit that came in and fucking ruined the city and the energy that the city used to have. And honestly, like, I hope he gets back to what it used to be. And I know it will be. It's just going to take some time. Like everything in life. But, you know, the Knicks right now, they're giving everyone something to cheer for. 
any basketball fan can understand that the Knicks haven't had a championship since 1972. I haven't seen the Knicks even come close to winning a championship in my life. <laughs> and hopefully that could happen in the next couple of years. Honestly, like, for the Knicks to have this winning streak, they put themselves in the driving seat. Who would have thought that the Knicks would have been this decent this year? I definitely had no expectations, and they have exceeded all of them. And honestly, like, the Nets have been the talk of the town or the New York area, rather. But the Nets don't really have any fans, <laughs> like, that are actual, like, a diehard fan base. Like, of course, like, there are going to be the people that say that they are, but, you know, that if you're from New York, you're a Knicks fan. And it's going to be something to see if the Knicks could actually face the Nets in the playoffs. And if the Knicks could beat the Nets, that would probably be one of the biggest storylines in all of sports. It would just ignite this rivalry even more. Make it like the Red Sox and the Yankees. Or the Mets and the Yankees, rather. But, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. But the Nets picked up a victory over the Toronto Raptors last night, 116 to 103. Jeff Green, 22 points. Kyrie Irving, 9 points. KD, 17, 10 rebounds, 4 assists in 33 minutes. Blake Griffin, 17 points off the bench in one of his better games as a net. Six rebounds, two steals, and a block. 22 minutes off the bench. For the Raptors, Ananobi, 21 points. Kyle Lowry, 24 points, six assists, two rebounds, and a block. And the Nets are 42 and 20 on the air. And they're without James Harden. So that's something to take into consideration when watching the Nets. James Harden's been out for a while, and who knows if we're going to see him before the playoffs. It's probably in his best interest to probably stay out until the start of the playoffs to give them the best opportunity to be successful. I mean, as a Knicks fan, do whatever the fuck you want to do, dude. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? The Nets are the top team in Eastern Conference. And they've been nothing but a dominant team this whole entire year. 
And even though that they have dealt with a lot of injuries from KD, Kyrie, and James Harden at different times during the year, they have those three superstars in their depth chart. And basically, they could have just one of them control the game if another one is out or another one takes the night off. So they basically have a superstar running the game every single time, no matter who's playing, unless they're all out. And then they need their bench to step up. And their bench does step up sometimes. They have Landry Shannon. He's been a really solid player for them. He went off last week. And, yeah, they have role players that could step into the spotlight, like Joe Harris, who can knock down many threes on a nightly basis. And then contributors like Blake Griffin. The Nets have added every single piece that they possibly possibly can. Sorry. And, yeah. Their front office has done some crazy work. Steve Nash has done a great job as a rookie head coach. And the Nets have been a team to watch every single night. And even as a Knicks fan, I still tune in to every single Nets game because they have those superstars. So the Nets are starting to remind me of the Miami Heat when LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade... They all teamed up, and then they had Ray Allen and Shane Battier and like all those like role players. So this is kind of the team that that kind of reminds me of in a way. I mean, and definitely like the Warriors when they got KD, and then they had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. But you know, this is truly a unique situation. It's a New York team, so that probably amplifies it times ten. So. This past weekend was UFC 261, and it was headlined by Kamaru Usman defending his welterweight championship against Jorge Masvidal. Goddamn, what a fucking fight, man. Kamaru Usman, obviously known for his wrestling background. He used his hands, man. He let them fly early in the second round, and he knocked the fuck out of Jorge Masvidal. I'm not a huge fan of Jorge Masvidal, so... That was not really great for me, but, you know, kind of had a feeling that it was going to go something like that. Usman, he's a crazy athlete, and now he has really cemented his legacy as one of the best welterweights of all time. Obviously, a comparable career to George St. Pierre, one of the legends of UFC and MMA in general. But, you know, Kamaru Usman is a beast, and next for him is probably Colby Covington in a rematch, and he beat the crap out of him the last time. He beat the shit out of Colby Covington. He broke his jaw. So, I wonder how that fight's going to go if it's going to be a wrestling match because Colby's a wrestler. So is Usman. 
but obviously now with the uh, striking background, especially being a close friend of Francis Ngannou, they probably have their trade-offs. He taught Francis wrestling, and Francis taught him how to fucking let his hands fly. (laughs) So, yeah, that was a great fight. And then, obviously, the co-headliner, Rose Namajunas, defeated Zhang Weili for the women's strawweight championship. And that was one of the craziest first round knockouts. A head kick, straight up knockout to win the title. And she regains the title after losing it. Not to her, though. She lost to, I believe, Joanna. But anyway, that was a crazy fight, too. And then the whole night, they were fucking crazy fights. It started off with... (laughs) Randy Brown, who is from Long Island, apparently. He got a one-handed rear-naked choke. And that was the first time that that has ever happened in UFC history for someone to get a submission like that. So, shout-out to him. Obviously, one of the main stories of the night was Chris Weidman. Oh, my God. This was one of the fucking craziest things that I have ever seen. Obviously, we saw this with Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman. It is really crazy how things play out. It was a horrific injury. His leg snapped. I hope he can get better and well wishes to Chris Weidman. Obviously, he's a Long Island legend. Was looking forward to seeing this, and he literally threw a kick, and something was not right, and his leg folded. Uriah Hall becomes one of the first fighters ever to win a fight with not even one punch or kick thrown. <laughs> And that really sucks for Uriah Hall because he's one of the top fighters in the middleweight division. He's on a little win streak now. But obviously he didn't want a fight to go like that. And he looked like he was fucking mortified after it happened. So, like, he's also reached out to him on social media and he just wishes him well, like everybody does. And Dana White took care of him and flew him home on a private jet, so... He really took care of a legend in Chris Weidman and watching him since I was a kid, man. And to see that happen, it didn't make me feel great. But, uh, yeah, the night went on. But that was one of the main things that happened. 
and it wasn't even a title fight. It was just one of the craziest circumstances that he literally beat Anderson Silva like that back in the day to win the middleweight championship, and then it happens to him when he's trying to make his way back in that division, and there's no saying that he won't. It's just going to take him a long time. And he already got surgery, so shout out Chris Wyman. Hope you get better soon, and hope we can see you fight again one day. Been a fan of his for a really long time. I saw him fight, actually, in person in Boston when I was living in Boston. So, yeah, I hope he's able to come back from this horrific injury, but... Some other storylines that played out after this was Nick Diaz, and apparently he's going to be fighting Hamza Chimaev in his return fight also. So these guys are both on a major layoff. Obviously, Hamza for medical reasons, and Nick just because he doesn't really need to fight at this point in his career. He's a legend. So that would be an insane fight. Jorge Masvidal has also expressed interest in potentially wanting to fight Nick Diaz after he beat his younger brother, Nate. So that would also be an interesting fight to happen, maybe potentially after the Hamzat fight. And yeah, it seems like everybody wants to fight Nick Diaz this time of the year. Jake Paul even called him out. And there was some interest between Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. Tommy Fury is an up-and-coming boxer. He's the younger brother of Tyson Fury. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. He hasn't really fought anybody that has a solid record or anything like that. So, either is Jake Paul, really, at the end of the day. He's fought fucking Ben Askren, who is probably the most accomplished fighter that he could have fought at the moment. But then Nate Robinson and the guy Gibb, I mean, he's beat all these guys, but, like, those guys aren't fucking Floyd Mayweather. Like, his brother, Logan. And the fight finally got fucking announced. I am so fucking hyped for this shit. I honestly want to fucking go to this. If if they release fucking tickets to this, I am going to fucking try to go to this. It's in Miami. I have friends that live in Florida. Makes fucking sense. I'll get this fucking vaccine and fucking let's fucking send it. Uh, fucking need to fucking go do some fucking fun. I need to go do some fucking fun shit. This would definitely be one of the. Biggest fights of a generation. Floyd Mayweather putting his 50-0 winning streak on... Not even winning streak. His fucking boxing record in his whole career. He's putting that on the line against Logan Paul. And Logan hasn't even won a professional fight. This is honestly probably going to set the stage for Jake to fight Floyd also. I read an article that basically said that he's open to fighting both of them. 
And I'm sure he is. He's going to make a shitload of money. He's fucking Floyd Money Mayweather. and He knows how to promote. And this is going to be on Showtime. Pay-per-view. And it's a Mayweather production, too. I can only imagine what the undercard's going to be. If Gervonta Davis is going to be on this undercard, who the fuck knows? If they're going to put the Charlos on this shit, that would be fucking crazy, too. They can make this one of the biggest events in boxing history. This is the best boxer of all time. Facing regarded one of the biggest entertainers in the world. He definitely knows how to stay relevant. That is for damn sure. So, yeah, that would honestly be fucking crazy if I could get a ticket to this fight. And I'm so serious about it, too, because this has been one of those media stories that no one expected to actually come to existence. And it actually is. So that's freaking insane. And I really want I want to go. I want to go really bad. So we'll keep you guys updated if I get a ticket to it. They are supposedly coming out with tickets next week. Sounds like a good time to me. So the NFL draft is tomorrow, finally. It's one of my favorite events of the year, and I really hope that the Giants, for my own sake and for all Giants fans, that we're able to get Jalen Waddle from Alabama. And apparently there's been a lot of interest from the Eagles about Jalen Waddle, and They're trying to trade up ahead of the Giants to get him, and hopefully they aren't able to. So the Giants are able to get him at 11. This would be a really solid addition for the Giants. He's a speedy receiver, and he knows how to win. He's from Alabama, coming off of a national championship, and... I really hope that the Giants are able to get the guy that they have been looking for and who the media has really labeled to be one of the best wide receivers in this draft class. A lot of people have said that he's the best player in the entire draft. So that's going to be a storyline for myself and all giant fans. We're going to be interested in seeing who the giants actually are able to draft tomorrow night. Two of the top cornerbacks in the draft are South Carolina's JC Horn and Alabama's Patrick certain second. And those are going to be two of the top guys taken in the first round. And they're going to be able to revamp anyone's defense. 
Patrick Certain coming off the national championship at Alabama. And this is definitely going to be an interesting draft. There's going to be a few quarterbacks taken, obviously, and then there's going to be a lot of other positions. Right now, Mac Jones is a betting favorite to go number three overall to the 49ers, and they traded up, so they could probably do so. And there's been a lot of speculation over where he was going to land in the draft. But apparently he fits with Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco. So Mac Jones supposedly going to the 49ers. The Patriots, if everything goes accordingly in the draft, they're apparently looking at Trey Lance from North Dakota State. They see a lot of potential in Trey Lance, apparently, and they believe that he could be the quarterback of the future for the Patriots. Another big storyline in this draft is who the Jets are actually going to pick, and I don't think there's really too much speculation at this point. I think we know that Zach Wilson's going to be the next Jets quarterback, and hopefully he's able to put in work with the Jets. Like They definitely need a lot of help around them. They don't really have any top targets on the team. And they're going to probably have to draft some wide receivers to help them on offense. But maybe Zach Wilson is the answer for the Jets to become a team that they've been dying to be for decades at this point. I mean, like, the Jets were good when they had Mark Sanchez for a couple of years, but that was pretty much that. They haven't had a good quarterback with longevity since. Obviously, Sam Darnold is in a solid situation right now where he's going to be the quarterback for the Panthers, and he's lucky that he was able to get a new situation. He didn't have the best start to his career, but he definitely has the skills to be one of the better quarterbacks. So he was able to escape the Jets. A lot of quarterbacks have their careers ruined by the Jets. Where they draft the high-level quarterback early on in the draft, and then it just doesn't pan out. And then the quarterback is looked at like a bum. And it's not really their fault because of the system that they are put around. Adam Gase definitely didn't help the cause with the Jets. But that's that. And then 
one of the storylines for the wide receivers, LSU's Jamar Chase, who didn't play last year. He's said to be one of the best prospects in a really long time. A very speedy receiver. He could be going very early in the first round, and he's a very good top prospect. Kyle Pitts, a dynamic tight end who has said in interviews that he wants to be a wide receiver, obviously, because he would make more money that way in his career. It looks like he might be going to Cincinnati, and for him to go there and team up with Joe Burrow, that would be insane. It looks like the Dolphins might be the new home of Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. That's unfortunate because... Obviously, as a Giant fan, we would want to get him. Hey, man, if he falls. The Giants could potentially go after him if he gets to 11, but like, I guess we're going to have to see. People have been doubting him because of his size, and he has won every single award that he possibly could have last year. So... He could be the next top receiver in the league also. And there's a lot of guys in this draft that have the potential to be one of the next household names. It's just going to be a really interesting night. And we're going to have to see where Justin Fields is going to land. Who's going to take a shot on him? I know a lot of people have their doubts about him. People can think what they want, but they don't know what he can do until he's able to prove himself as a pro player. And I guess it's going to translate to how any player can play at the next level that really separates the good from the great. And that's what all that's what all of sports is really about at the end of the day is trying to persevere and be great. And these athletes are getting the opportunity to take their skills to the next level and create a better life for themselves. And a bunch of these guys have tough stories and they always highlight that during the draft. And for a sport to be able to change this group of people, it's honestly insane because, like, people give their lives to playing a sport, and then they should be able to live comfortably for the rest of their lives. It's just a great story for each guy, and it always gets highlighted when they get drafted, and you get to see where they came from. And that's one of my favorite parts of the NFL draft, and I can't wait for it to start tomorrow night.
There's a low-key Supreme drop this week. They're releasing matching trucker jacket made of denim. It has like these frayed logos all over, all over print on jeans and a jacket and also a hat. It's probably the top item of the week. They're also releasing this Patches denim baseball jersey, which is pretty sick. It has a patch that features the Twin Towers on it. And as a New Yorker, that is honestly a pretty sick piece. It's honestly one that I might actually go for just for the sake of that. And we'd never forget that day, so... Yeah, that was a pretty cool touch on that piece. Then they have some shirts and shorts with Iggy Pop. And Iggy Pop is a punk artist from back in the day. It's one of the more famous artists in that genre. And then they're releasing another Supreme branded item. And this time it's a bike chain for anyone that has a bicycle that doesn't want to get stolen in New York City. (laughs) To get that. All right. Well, that's pretty much it for Supreme. And the Travis Scott sixes are releasing today, I believe. Speaking of Travis Scott, I finally got my cacti shirt that I ordered the day that it released. It took a lot quicker this time, though. It arrived a lot sooner than the McDonald's stuff that took probably like four months for the package to arrive. But, you know, that is what it is. Last night, one of my... Favorite low-key brands that's not becoming brand out in New York, Schmuel New York. They had their two-year anniversary drop, released a lot of their designs featuring the Yankee logo on hats. And he's really built a brand for himself. He's an up-and-coming designer, and he did a solid job, and he continues to put out solid work. Schmiel New York, definitely a brand to watch out for in the future. Palace is officially done for the spring season. And now they're gearing up for the summer drop. And if you guys aren't on Palace yet, it's honestly really solid shit. So it's comparable to Supreme if you guys don't know. It releases every Friday at 11 a.m. on palaceskateboards.com. And, yeah, it's just another brand. And you guys can make money off of basically all this shit. Like, you could make money off of something if it's hyped up, if it's a good-looking item. There's going to be resale for it, and then you can sell it on StockX or GOAT or wherever, eBay, or at any local consignment shop, as long as it's brand new. And, like, it's something that friends of mine have done for years, and they've made a lot of money off doing it. So, 
just the tip. And obviously to do the same with Supreme and Kith and all other low-key brands around. Like everything will resell for market value at least or double that. So that's why you try to save the rare stuff and not just rock everything because like you could have something that's kind of building value and you don't even realize it until it's like six months to a year later and then you're able to sell it for a major profit so it's kind of like stocks and wine that's kind of how stock x got to how it is Uh, that was just a random little fact but yeah other than that some new music that i've been listening to the ysl album they released deluxe and so many bangers on it you got a song with don tolliver called no surprise mill in vegas featuring nav And then Young Thug's brother, who was in jail, Un Fug, he has a song on here called Real. I've played that song probably like a hundred times, and it's a banger. If you haven't heard that, definitely check it out. Song number 16 on the project. And yeah, there were a lot of songs on there. And it just stays in constant rotation, and I kind of explore a new couple songs every day so other than that been listening to this song by Ian Dior Shots in the Dark featuring Trippy Red Ian Dior is a really solid artist and he's kind of taking over that lane from Juice World kind of creates the music that you need when you're going through a hard time sometimes and it's very relatable so been listening to that also an ssg kobe he released a ep called ko he's a part of zach b's label called field trip he really put him on and he has a song with snot a lyrical lemonade artist called Calabas is honestly a very fire new artist, SSG Kobe. Highly recommend. And yeah. That's pretty much it. Just kind of been dealing with a lack of motivation lately so haven't been in the best mood kind of figuring out some stuff with myself and just trying to basically live my best life at the moment and I've just been stuck in a rut it seems like and like this pandemic and shit really has put a pause on my life and definitely has set me back and I need to get back on track and I'm starting to and 
This has been an episode of One Stop Shop, and I'll tap in with you guys soon. Peace out.